All right, welcome to Behind the Message, our extended edition. Uh, we're pumped. So we've had some questions come in uh, to our mailbox that we just felt we couldn't really quite get at and unpack in our normal Behind the Message format. So we wanted to take this time and unpack two of those. All right, so we have a question that came in that asked, um, during this time of COVID, of pandemic, of everything that's going on in our culture, um, election season, all of that, are there any blind spots that our church might have right now? And I'm so glad you guys are here to answer that question. Um, but are there any blind spots or anything we're missing as a church family? What do y'all think? Uh, there's, a, there's always blind spots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So many. My life is one big blind spot. So many. Um, and, and some of them have to do with COVID and some of them are just more uh, generational as we continue to shift. But I, I've been thinking of that question a little bit uh, just in, as a shepherd of our church and wanting our people to consider their ways. Mike preached on that when we were in Haggai a little bit. You'll see those terms throughout the Old and New Testament to meditate, to think on, uh, to be careful, to navigate your steps wisely. Like these things again and again to call us to consider our ways. And so uh, there are three things that have been on my mind that I've kind of got to focus on. And I'm not saying they're the most important, but they're just pressing and I'm experiencing them and I want our people to be more aware of them. The first one is priority. Uh, and so you can see that, I think, really around the gathering. We talked about that even before uh, we closed down our gathering for a few weeks to figure out what was going on and how to come alongside of our community. Uh, but we acknowledged that that was going to be the case, and it has been. We'll come back and talk about that a little bit. Uh, there's pursuit. I think pursuit is in question. And by that, I almost mean um, a work, uh, a, a diligence. We'll come back and talk about that. But I think you see that in opposition of a lot of the self-care uh, stuff that we hear uh, that's pressing. And, I mean, then there's this simple pragmatism that's in question and the election season brings a lot of that into uh, into light and how pragmatic should the Christian be what uh, what values do we set aside for compromise of pragmatism and so uh, first let's just let's just talk about the pri the priority one first so let's let, let's talk a little bit about the gathering use that as an example so there's this great thought that Light exposes the shadows of our camouflaged idols. Like, we've worked really hard, right? To, you have to say that, you're going to have to Okay. The light okay. exposes shadows of our camouflaged idols. I have an example. All right. So, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so in this COVID season, like how crazy we go over toilet paper, you know, and just, just that safety and self-control and just you know, comfort kind of thing, like the world goes crazy and all of a sudden we're in Walmart fighting over the last roll of toilet paper. Like it brings out what is already there. So. An idol we didn't know we had. Yeah. yeah. Not there toilet paper There has been a one month diet Dr. Pepper shortage. <laughs> Listen, I, uh, <laughs> for me it's a, not diet, it's a Dr. Pepper shortage uh, and it was a concern of mine. Oh, I, it, I did stockpile a little, I'm not going to lie. It reached past concern level. <laughs> like, I've, like there was panic, there was prayer, <laughs> there, there was fasting and prayer. Anyway, yeah. So the light exposed. <laughs> the shadows. Yes. Now watch this. We see the shadows before we often see the idol is the point. 
we camouflage the idol with our excuses and with all those things, and it becomes some like uh, tattered collage of our excuses that just hides this. There's so but when much the, imagery in this. I'm there like, is. I'm lean in. Okay. So when when the light reflect or when the light hits our idol, I think more times than not we see the effect of the light against it. We see the shadow on the ground, and it should call attention to the idol. And so what happens is if we will consider our ways and we'll go, huh, the shadows on the ground, we might see the idol that's in our heart that we've hidden from ourselves. That is a blind spot to even us. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the idea. So take, for example, the gathering. So for years in the, in the U.S. culture, we've compromised the gathering and its place to whether that's sports or whether that's our comfort or whether that's whatever else. Those have always been the question. But it's always a little bit more hit and miss, and, it, and it's just harder to pinpoint. Well, right now at Tri-Cities, let's not talk about anybody other's church, let's talk about Tri-Cities Church. There are two groups of people that aren't gathering with us, and I want to make a distinction of those groups for a minute. First, there are those people who haven't left their house since March. I mean, they are, whether they're high risk or whether they're just greatly concerned about the virus, they're staying inside. They don't go out, they don't do anything, and the gathering's a part of that. That's consistent. Mm -hmm. There's a second group of people who are not gathering, but they're going on vacation, their, their kids are playing baseball, they're going to this, they're doing that, they're shopping here, they're, they're running around, but they're not gathering. Those are the people that I want to talk to. Those people are showing the shadow of a low priority for the gathering. So this isn't a statement at all about COVID or whether it's dangerous or not. My point is, if you're making the decision to do all those other things, you're saying the risk is worth it for my vacation. The risk is worth it for this whatever thing and all these things that you're like, but it's not the gathering. Mm -hmm. It is exposing a priority issue in your heart and in your worldview because your actions are inconsistent. That needs to bring us, the church, to a place to consider our ways. Because, frankly, as a leader of Shepherd, I, mean, I want to admonish you in that. That's idle. That's inconsistent. The church gathering is something we are called to pursue. And that's not for me. It's not for the benefit of our church. We're doing all those types of things to make that as safe as we can. But the point is, if you're going to make the decision to pursue these other things, it's only a sense of priority that you would not choose to do the other. And that should be enough of a shadow to make you turn around and consider your ways and maybe the idols of your comfort, your heart, your fear, and how that relates to worship within the body. Does that make sense? I don't know anything to add to that. Yeah, it makes total sense. So I think one of the things that's incredibly important is if you don't think you have blind spots, you're in major trouble. Like we should constantly be questioning our judgment on things and our perception of things. And Scripture calls us to that constantly. Hebrews 2 verse 1 says, Beware lest you drift. And, and the, the verbiage there is, you are drifting. Like it's happening. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, Beware. He goes to the, the Old Testament, Israel's wandering and saying, Beware lest you have the same heart. Like we, we float into that. It's crazy because we're talking about this. Even this morning in my own personal devotion, I'm reading John 7, and Jesus says, don't judge things by their appearances. Judge with right judgment. Mm -hmm. 
But what does he mean by right judgment? According to God's word. Mm -hmm. And we've got a lot of people, a lot of voices today in our culture um, who have a lot of opinions about church and worship and gathering, mm -hmm. but they're not judging by biblical right judgment and truth. And we have prioritized things that are lesser, less significant, mm -hmm. to use the language of our day, non-essential over what scripture calls to be essential. Mm -hmm. And so if, if you're one of those people, like, like Daniel was saying, that you've done the vacation and the golf outings and all the other stuff, but you're not going to the gathering, it is, it's inconsistent. And we've been called to something different, something more. Um, and I think one of the main reasons why we have maybe ignored or not prioritized the gathering is because it's inconvenient. Mm -hmm. So can we just be honest? It, it is more inconvenient to go to church now than it's ever been. I have to wear a mask, I have to socially distance, my coffee is not there warm and waiting for me, I have to RSVP, I don't have anywhere for my kids to go, I don't have that study group I enjoy going to, it is work for me to go to the gathering now. And it's just much more convenient to sit at home, turn on whatever pastor I like to hear service and watch, but that is not the gathering. That's not a devotion that we see in Acts chapter 2 of God's people prioritizing the gathering at great risk to themselves and calling their community and their family to pursue the gathering at great risk to themselves so that other people who don't know Jesus and the coming generations would be able to see that our faith matters. And one of my greatest fears for the church in the United States is when we look at the generation behind us, our, our teenagers, our children, the generations coming up, like way before COVID started, there are massive statistics showing how disengaged they are from just personal interaction mm -hmm. before COVID. And now, because of COVID, there's even less of that that's happening. And if we're not careful, we're gonna raise our children and the generation behind us to say, you know what, pursuing the gathering, pursuing the body, pursuing worship, it's just not that important. And I, I just want to call our people and just believers, Jesus followers, to prioritize the things that the Bible does, the things that really matter for life and godliness and eternity. So, so really, totally agree. this season that we're in, 2020 as a whole, um, is hard, is difficult, but is a gift of grace to us because it is a grace in our lives to be um, become aware of those shadows our idols. It, yeah. and anything that's difficult exposes when something becomes difficult it exposes is that thing really a priority or not and you're right church is difficult so that's a blind spot our priorities are blind spots and I think what's unique about the way we're talking about it, again if you if you're sitting there and you're watching this and you haven't left your house since March and you're you are isolating from everything where again whether that's just fear or whether for you, you're incredibly high risk, and it's wisdom. And that would be both of our moms and, are in that yeah. situation. Well, my mom's out. My mom's. Are you <laughs> well, kidding me? She's my mom's out a little bit too. No, but she, they have to be careful. She's there. I mean, yeah, she's. Uh, so that idea is not really what I'm talking about, and it's not what Paul's talking about. Now, we can wrestle with when that needs to happen and what that needs to look like for you at a different time. What I'm speaking to are the people who are making decisions to accept the risk for so many other things that are lesser. And they're members of our church, they're here, and they're modeling for their kids. Well, we'll go on vacation. We'll do this. You can play in this league. You can do this. We'll go into this person's house and we'll do that. And all those things take priority 
over the pursuit of the gathering. And it's a priority question. And so, again, what I'm saying to you in this moment is consider your ways. Consider the priorities that are there and the pursuit uh, that, that guard or guide your life. And I think that's important. Second thing that we talk about a little bit in that is the pursuit. And by pursuit, I mean diligence. So there's a work. I, I want to read you something, okay? So I'm going to read you from Scripture. And uh, here's what it says. It says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. <laughs> you don't work, you don't eat, right? For, uh, for we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work but just busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly to earn their own living. And as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. So the tone of that passage, I think most people would expect that to be in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Work. Certainly not in a New Testament where grace mm -hmm. prevails, right? No, listen, grace is not at odds with work. And we as Christ followers are to pour out our life, to pick up our cross and follow him day after day, to be spent for the kingdom. It shouldn't be comfortable. I, you can't even find the faithful leaders in the New Testament where their life was comfortable. And so we have bought into a lie that says, my faith should be easy. Uh, it, it, it should just always be the thing I enjoy. You talked about how it's harder to go to church now and to gather. It, it just costs more. Listen, the church has got to lean in and sacrificially work for the edification of the body, not expect the body to do what is most comfortable for them, the individual. And that's flipped up on its head. And in the midst of this, you talk about a blind spot. There is so much kind of self-care, self-help conversation that's circling the body that it is turning us inward focused to our own comfort, to our own kind of desires. And we're not charging one another to pick up the cross and to follow him daily, to sacrifice ourselves, to be spent for the gospel. And I think that's a huge blind spot, whether that's in the discipleship of our kids. It can be something as simple as you're sitting down with your preschooler and they're like, you know, I don't want to watch the FDP video. I want to watch this instead. Make that child watch it. Make them. Just say, listen, I get it. It's not always fun. I don't want to read my Bible either. But it's wisdom and it's good and you're going to do it. That's okay. Sometimes we have to make ourselves do the harder things, but it's worth it. So whether it's in our growth and our sanctification or whether it's in mission, it's harder now to advance the gospel around the world than it was a year ago. That's a reality, but we are not free from that call. It's still our call. So we've got to work, not of our own effort, grace-filled effort, but effort. I don't know. Anything to add to that? Just, again, completely agree. I, th I think... We know it intuitively to be true. Mm -hmm. So no child, unless they're just weird, likes kale. Like they, they just don't want a kale salad. Like they want a hamburger, french fries, or pizza. 
And so to for them to learn Why how is to that eat. Bad? <laughs> I'm waiting for the other side of the Yeah, story. I never got I never, I'm still a child. <laughs> for them to learn how to eat healthily, it requires discipline. Like we know that if you want to work out and get in shape, like it requires discipline, hard work, effort that's there. Well, those things are true spiritually as well, where we have to cut things out of our life to pursue what is holy and what is good, and that's work and effort. The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 9, says, I beat my body, I discipline my body so that at the end of my race I would not be disqualified. And you think about the Apostle Paul, and we compare our lives to him, we say, like, we're nowhere close to him. He's saying, I'm afraid I'm going to be disqualified. Like, I need to get my body in more submission, my mind in more submission, to get my life on even more of the gospel focus and track. And I think for us, we take a very passive approach to that. We set the bar extremely low, show up at these things, read this, listen to that, kind of pray over dinner. It's like, no, scripture calls us to so much more. Uh, and it is effort. And, and it has been said, the gospel is not opposed to effort. The gospel is opposed to earning. That gospel, grace, and effort, they go hand in hand. There is no faith apart from obedience. And obedience requires sacrifice. Those things are just all throughout Scripture. And just a really practical way that that can begin in our lives is through what we put into our minds. Like I think one of the ways that we, we are poisoned just in our own thoughts is just by all the media and content we take in. The mind wasn't even made to take in the amount that we, we do through social media, but just the stuff that's on Netflix and Hulu and YouTube and TV, we just, we inundate our mind with all of these lies and false worldviews and these things that just saturate and create fear and anxiety. What if we set those things to the side? What if we cut some of that stuff out and force ourselves and, and our kids to really focus on scripture and let the things of the word transform and renew our mind? That's just a part of discipline that I think we have grown lazy in as a culture, and, I, and I'll throw me in that as yeah. well. So I'm going to say really quick, again, because I guarantee you that there are going to be people that are listening to this that are getting offended. I mean, I guarantee it because I'm because, offending myself. Right yeah, now. you're offending me, but <laughs> because we're stepping on some really personal stuff. But again, I'm going to say over and over again that I'm going to claim this time as a grace. I'm going to claim this season as a grace sent from the Lord, that it is a grace and a gift that our blind spots can be revealed um, in our priorities and our pursuits, um, that all of a sudden the curtain's kind of being lifted that, man, what am I really working? What am I really pursuing? What am I really putting effort in? And for a lot of us, and I'm going to say me too, that effort has not been in the right direction. So I'm claiming it all as a grace before we go any further. So so I think that's probably true, but if that one's, the, those two are the it's easy only ones. Gonna get worse. It's only harder because you said something that I want to come back to, and this gets to our third one. You talked about setting the bar and how we set the bar, and we tend to lower the bar. So that third P I talked about was pragmatics. And so what happens with our pragmatics is we recognize, well, we're not going to be perfect. And so we set aside the pursuit of holiness, which, by the way, is a biblical mandate to be holy as he is holy. That's right. So that's the charge. Now, we're not going to earn that. Mm -hmm. We know that. That's Christ who fulfills that for us. And so that's, that's a gift of grace in him. But it is our pursuit as we even pursue Christ's likeness. And so the goal of that is not to water down the standard. 
Frankly, the higher we hold that standard, the greater we make of Jesus in our life. Exactly right. And so what happens for us is we tend to then choose which bars we're okay with being lowered and which bars we're going to hold a little higher. And that becomes a pragmatic, wise in our own eyes type of a scenario. And so what happens is when we begin to make those pragmatic decisions, we celebrate compromise. Mm -hmm. For example? For example, nowhere have we done that more obvious than in our elections and the way Christians have approached some of our government leaders and how we hold them up over the last however many years. Meaning, think about this for just a moment. Whatever issues you side, so by the way, this is the first time in a long time I've not resided in a capital town in a swing state. So I spent years pastoring in Columbus, Ohio, and then in Frankfort, Kentucky. Now, Frankfort, for the most part, uh, Kentucky usually votes more Republican for like presidential candidates, but the governors swing back and forth. Ohio, everybody knows it's a swing state. So my churches have been half Democrat, half Republican again and again and again until I'm here. It's a little different here. There is a pragmatic leaning that stirs in us which issues are more important than other issues. And we get that. There's a part of that, and there's freedom in that. But I just want to give us a question. And to think about this as you interact and disciple your kids and who you speak to. If we celebrate one bar and minimize the other bar, how are we not teaching them compromise in a subtle way that will have generational impact so that in 20 years later, they just move the bars around to follow their culture and what they want? Isn't that what we've seen? I mean, the issues 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that would have been off limits, we're just now compromising to those issues. And 20 years from now, what's going to keep us from compromising to the next ones? And so when I look back, really, over the way authentic Christians have handled their voice and their vote, they have not historically said, we're going to pursue holiness as much as we can. Instead, many times, not all, many times, we've championed pragmatics, which has taught our kids and our churches compromise. I'm not telling you there's a right answer. I'm certainly not telling you there's a right vote. But what I'm saying is, in the months ahead, there's going to be shadows. And those shadows will expose idols in my heart and my compromise and my bent toward pragmatics. And if I will not just so quickly glance past it and look around, I'm certain those shadows will expose blind spots in my heart where I'm not pursuing Christ-likeness, but instead human, self-centered pragmatism. And I think the next few months will give us a case to see that if we'll just pay attention. Anything to add? Just, I think, a biblical example of that is Jesus going to the cross. So if you read John 11, that's the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And so Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and then Caiaphas and all the religious leaders are together. And Caiaphas makes this statement because they know they can't pin anything on Jesus. So he says, isn't it better fearing Rome would come and occupy because it's all a turmoil? He says, isn't it better that one man die instead of the whole country? 
And in that moment, there's this compromise, knowing that Jesus has not done anything wrong. It's better for the greater good to put this guy to death. And we know that God used that a part of this larger plan, but, but that logic that you're talking about is a broke, it's not a holiness logic. How do we be holy and obedient in all things? It's about compromise. And I think we need to be aware of that, especially in the season ahead. I feel that one personally. I mean, it, just as a, in my sin issues, I am, I'm way more like a Jacob and a schemer and a pragmatic in my thinking. And so by the grace of God, he loved Jacob and uh, I, I'm thankful that he loves me, but I, I want to be more Christ-like. All right, we're going to come back in just a second. Question number two. Listen, this is important. You guys answered the call. I said we need hard questions for Jennifer. And so our first question came in to Jennifer. It didn't say to behind the message. It didn't say to Jennifer and Daniel. It was just... And Jennifer brought in backup. And yet here I am. (laughs) Because (laughs) it came into Jennifer. I will not answer it myself. So I brought in Laura. (laughs) Well, we're glad you're here. We are glad you're here. All right. So the first question is really, it's a biblical womanhood question. But it's asked in such a way of terms of who should young women look up to? And even as a dad, you know, I've got a soon-to-be 10-year-old daughter and she's growing up in a world that is constantly influencing her view of her identity, her view of who God is, and who she is. Right. Who does she look up to? Who, who can, again, model some of those things, mm-hmm. speak to a biblical worldview, mm-hmm. and just a biblical womanhood for her? And so, I don't know, just kind of a broad subject and let you guys run with it, yeah. you know, where you might. I would say first there is no lack of voices screaming at women of every age today um, of who they should be, of what their identity should be, of what they should be passionate about, um, whether it's relational issues or spiritual issues or health issues or um, there's no lack of voices in today's world. So it can be confusing, um, but there is one overarching voice that should always be pursued and that's the voice of the Lord through scripture. that is the ultimate source of all wisdom. And Laura, you and I were talking about this right before we went live on camera. Um, there are so many voices screaming that the who we pursue, I mean, you can take your pick, and, and you probably know many more culturally relevant um, issues than I do. Who, what would you say to our students, you work with our students, if they ask this question, um, who should I go to for wisdom? Who should I ask for wisdom? What would be your first response to that? Um, well, my first response would be to turn to Scripture because we know that that is the source of all wisdom, where all wisdom is going to be found. And, and you bring up a really good point. Like in every sphere of our lives, political, social, our identity, what we should look like, like who we, sh- who we should be, there are tons of voices screaming and whispering answers to those questions. Um, and I think if we're not if we're not looking first to scripture, then we're never going to find our true, like true wisdom. We're never gonna find what's actually true. Mm-hmm. Um, but then kind of another like sub point to that is I would say if, if you're looking to popular culture, to all of these really loud voices mm-hmm. for direction in those areas, you're probably looking in the wrong place. Um, so one kind of one of the things we were talking about in this is wisdom through kind of mentorship just leaders that we can follow 
Um, and one of the things I think that's really important for that is when we talk about mentorship, we're really talking about discipleship. Mm -hmm. So in our pursuit of wisdom, who can we look to to help us follow Jesus? Mm -hmm. Who can we look to to help us pursue those things? And if we're looking to the world and to popular culture, we're looking in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. um, Ephesians 4 talks about the goal of discipleship, that we might grow to the full measure of the stature of Christ. Mm -hmm. And right before that, it talks about how God has given the apostles and preachers and teachers and evangelists to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the wor that work of discipleship. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to look to the church mm -hmm. and look to the church for that wisdom, for the examples, the leaders, mm -hmm. the people that we should follow. Yeah, I, I think um, especially for the demographic that you work with, but even um, women my age and older, there is this, um, I'm gonna say kind of an epidemic of looking at people's uh, short answers, like you'll look at their tweets or you'll follow them on Facebook or you'll follow them on Instagram and they'll have some really cool statements. And then all of a sudden you see them making some unwise decisions and you think, oh, well maybe I shouldn't, I shouldn't have followed her. Or I shouldn't right. have listened to that tweet. And the thing is following someone's uh, best soundbite and uh, using that to grow spiritually is not the same thing as the pursuit and intentionally digging into scripture right. and then pursuing those that will push you mm -hmm. in that pursuit. Right. Um, so I think uh, social media has, has um, made us shallow and mm -hmm. I think we could, we could go on with that for a while. Right. And part of what that question gets to is social media has trained us to think in short thoughts mm -hmm. or not even complete thoughts and to pursue surface images of people um, instead of pursuing depth right. and pursuing um, the deep things of God and of his word. Well, and it's also social media, just to ping off of that really fast, it's put those people, those voices on a platform that almost removes them in our minds from being human. Humans are fallible. Mm -hmm. And so you're looking at someone's Twitter feed and they post something that's, you know, maybe a little sketchy or a little mm -hmm. off in a certain area. And you're like, ah, oh, well, I've got to move that person now to the column of heretic in my mind. I can't listen to anything that they would ever say. It doesn't allow for people to make mistakes. It doesn't allow for growth in any way. And so if we're looking at people on social media, we have to remember, you know, they're they're human, they're mm -hmm. real people just like we are yeah. and we make mistakes and we don't actually know them yeah. either. And so you're looking at things that they say pretty much completely removed from context and that's just really dangerous, especially in the pursuit of wisdom right. specifically. You're, right. you're doing something I think that's really important when you answer the question. So you're separating truth, content, well, in other words, what they've said from the person that's really important because what you're doing is you're separating truth from uh, some aspects of identity. Mm. And you're saying the truth has the value in that that we're looking at. We're going to have to look at those people within who God says they are. And you're making a distinction. That's really important. And I want to ask a question, kind of a follow-up to that. So, I don't know, maybe in a few months we'll have a, like a female vice president. And so whoever it is that the world holds up as this is a successful woman you get to look up to in this. In that case, you'll hear all that is trendsetting about that and the example of that and why that's something that you should look up to. 
But just to be honest, I don't really care if my daughter's a vice president or not, or I don't really care if she's a CEO. I don't want there to be lids and I want to be able to celebrate those things for her. But that's not where I want her focus to be. Mm, right. There's a truth beyond just the things that she would accomplish. Mm -hmm. So if you're speaking to young women today, uh, or even some, maybe some of our older believers that would be listening who are going to speak back into some others' lives, where would you aim their heart? Where would you aim their focus? What would be the things that you would say, as a godly woman, this should be the focus, the aim of your heart? Will you be perfect at it? No. But set your mind to these things. Set your heart to these things. What would be the priorities that just jump out of you, out at you in terms of what it means to be a faithful, godly woman? I've got one, but if you want to go, go ahead. I've got one too. You go first. Okay. So, and I'm, I think I'm going to move beyond, of course, the word of God, the worship of God, those things. You can't move beyond those. And, and you may hit on that. But the word that immediately pinged in my head as soon as you asked that question, something that I would want women to um, pursue and to be an aim, of course Christ and of course his word. But the word that went off in my mind is the word submission. Now, that is not going to be any, anywhere near the politically correct. You're not going to see anyone tweeting out, um, you know, women are to be submissive and they're going to be just wildly popular because of it. But here's why I say that. Um, God created men and women as image bearers. God created women to be image bearers that reveal his image in beautiful, wonderful ways through submission. That is when we are the most powerful. That is when we are the most influential. That is when we are the most um, attractive is when we submit first to the Lord, then to whomever God has placed in authority over us. That is not every man in every context, um, but that is the place where we show an aspect of God's glory and God's character. In all honesty, men can't always show that in the way that women can. So something that I try to teach my daughters to aim at is you are strong and you reflect the very image of God and you are created in strength and beauty. And all of those things come into focus within the beauty of submission, um, that we are there in a role of wisdom and of support doesn't mean we don't lead in areas. We absolutely do. But all of that within the beauty and in the context that Christ himself uh, walked in when he was here on earth. He could do nothing of himself unless it was something he saw the Father doing. Um, and so he modeled that, and we as women model that in front of the world. And I think that is an aim of a woman's heart that gets lost in culture today because it's the bad word, submission. So I may have just like skipped over the most important parts, <laughs> but that was the word that first popped off in my mind to aim a heart toward. Well, what first kind of popped into my mind, like really similar to that was, was servant leadership. So you're pointing out some leaders in culture who people want to follow and want to emulate. And I think what, where we kind of miss the mark a little bit on that is as we seek to be leaders, we forget that Jesus mm -hmm. was a servant leader. Mm -hmm. And that's really the aim of our heart is to serve and to become like Jesus in the way that we pursue those things of leadership, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Here's something that's sticking in my mind. So I think today Christian women, and I can only speak to American Christian women and really only those around me that I know, mm -hmm. but I think 
there is an entire generation of really, I'm going to put myself in this category, of really weak, puny, wimpy pursuers um, of depth and wisdom among Christian women today. And I think there is um, this entitlement, we hear that phrase, there's this entitlement culture, but I think it applies in a different way to Christian women because I think we wait for people to approach us. Um, no one has asked me if I want to be in that Bible study. Well, no one included me. We revert back to like middle school years. Um, no one has included me in that. No one has asked me um, to if I want to be discipled. No one has. And we are so weak when Scripture says, ask, pursue, chase wisdom down in the street. Um, pursue it like fine jewels and riches. Pursue wisdom. That's a heavy action verb. And I think as women, we live in this context of I'm being left out and no one's including me to a fault in our, in our spiritual lives as well. When we are to be women who pursue the very heart of God through his word and then pursue placing ourselves around other women that are scripture with flesh on, um, that we can walk along beside. It may not be one, it may be several. And, um, and place ourselves wisely around people that will encourage us. Well, and that's so hard because our pride plays so much into that because to do what you're saying- And our middle school fears. Right, well, yeah. requires me to say, I don't know this. Yeah. I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. I am weak, I need help in mm -hmm. this area. And we don't like to do that. Mm -hmm. We don't like to say, will you help me? Because then that's us admitting that we need help. But I think that's so important because being, I mean, being discipled, like growing in that area, growing in the pursuit of wisdom, that's hard. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard to do. And even, even if, let's say, we just had the most perfect environment where everyone, every person, like, I don't know, First Timothy 5 says older and younger. Mm -hmm. We'll let everybody decide which category they fall into. Uh, every younger person has their older person and that, you know, the older person approaches them and they're like, I would just love to mentor you, even in that perfect world. Mm -hmm. To be mentored and to be discipled mm -hmm. is hard mm -hmm. and it takes effort and it takes pursuit to be vulnerable and honest enough to let someone into your life in that way, to speak into your weaknesses and your sin and your failures, and then to grow in those things. Because it is like you, like, I mean, go back to the very beginning, the pursuit of wisdom, the pursuit of growth, that really is important. Mm -hmm. And we'll fall into the trap of, oh, well, I'll be honest, I'll tell them what's going on, but then I'm not gonna actually do anything about it. I'm not gonna actually, grow yeah. or pursue in any real way. Yeah. So I want to go back to something you said. And, you know, you, you kind of talked about us being like puny of thought. That's not just really a womanhood issue. That's, that's a cultural issue. Uh, you can see that, I think, specifically even in the literature base. So if you look at a lot of what's being written now versus what was written maybe 30, 40 years ago, you'll see a drastic difference in tone. Matter of fact, like if you read, go back and read like an Elizabeth Elliot, which I'd encourage you guys, if you're biblical womanhood, would be a great author to go back from a different generation. And so she's gonna have strengths and weaknesses from a different generation, but it's not gonna be as themed out. She will sound harsh at times compared to a lot of the counsel that's there. And so when you start talking about community, and cross-generation, and older women, and younger women, and coming together, 
talk to me a little bit about the importance of community. It'd be really easy for us to chase all like the celebrity names that are out there and know that. Don't do that. Let's talk about being at Tri-Cities mm -hmm. and community here and just walking alongside of one another as we pursue faithfulness and growth. What does that look like? And if they're watching this, uh, how did they get connected to some of that? So kind of last question, thoughts on it? You go. All right, well, specifically, we're talking about Tri-Cities community. I'm gonna say life groups for sure. So, um, I mean, even my life group, we were kind of talking about this last night and talking really specifically on just our, our meditation, our time in the Word, and being honest with ourselves and with each other to say, I've really been struggling with this area and I've been lying to myself about the root issue. And this week, the Holy Spirit has been really good to show me and reveal, even though it's painful, mm -hmm. these are my, like, this is really the root issue is I don't believe that God's good enough, mm -hmm. for example. Um, and so then to be able to speak truth back into each other and to do that regularly. Mm -hmm. So to say, um, you know, not just, man, I had a really bad week. Like, oh, I'm so sorry you had such a bad week. Hopefully next week's better. But to be able to recall and to go back, mm -hmm. like months ago, we were wrestling with this. And then to, to now be able to call out, I've seen the Holy Spirit really grow you in all of these areas. And that takes consistency. That takes honesty and vulnerability. Um, but is a really, really sweet gift. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's super important as we talk about the pursuit of wisdom and our meditation, our time in the word, mm -hmm. all of that, it, it happens together. Yeah. And so if you're a, a woman in our church who has the desire, has the heart uh, to be mentored and to be poured into, our church has a structure, uh, a front door structure mm -hmm. for that in a way. Uh, I mean, that's our life groups. Um, so that's, that's a great way to get plugged in. Um, church body life, church family life is structured in such a way that we are to constantly be pursuing those behind us in our walk of faith, encouraging those beside us in our walk of faith, and um, reaching toward those ahead of us in our walk of faith. And so those are um, relationships that we should always have around us within church life. So as an encouragement to all the women in the church um, of every age and of every stage, and I'll, and I'll talk to women specifically from my age and older, um, we need to be looking for those in generations coming up behind us to be pouring into. Also, my generation and older, we need to be looking for those women that we can stand shoulder to shoulder with and we encourage one another and we give each other strength and we need to still be always looking for those women that are further down the road than us spiritually. It may just be a week further down the road spiritually, but they are in our lives to pull us, to call us to something greater, to call us to repentance, mm -hmm. to point us toward Christ and to our pursuit of Christ. And um, the church family is to be that for each other. And we are doing no one a favor um, if we bow out of that on any level on any rung. If we don't want to be the person that is being poured into, if we don't want to be the person that's giving encouragement and challenge, and if we don't want to be the person that's calling someone else to Christ, right. um, then we are doing nothing but hurting ourselves, but also hurting the body of Christ that he's put together here called Tri-Cities. And the Apostle Paul writes, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Right. And so we need to not only be looking for those people who can say that and whose lives model that, mm -hmm. we need to be that. Yeah. And we need to be that for 
the people around us and don't be puny. for the church. Yeah. Don't be puny. So uh, as, a, as a pastor, but more as a father, really thankful for both of you. Hmm. And the imitator thing that models it. Because listen, I, like I'll speak to you guys out here. I don't, you can be 80 years old. Uh, if you're not sharing the gospel, if, I don't care if you've warmed a pew for all 80 years. If there isn't a pursuit of the word, I don't want my daughter around you. Not in that. Just because you're older doesn't mean you're mature, you're in the faith, and you're exemplary. If you're exemplary, there's going to be a hunger of the word. You've got two ladies here sitting in front of you who've gone through our cohort, not because they care about a degree or seminary, you know, those things. And it's not One because they got... doesn't have the degree yet. Yeah, yeah, you're like, right in the middle of it. <laughs> and you're pursuing it in the middle of a, a pandemic. Why? Because the word is important. You're trying to figure out how do you advance the gospel and how do you pour out your life for kingdom causes. That's exemplary. That's what I want my daughter to see. And I'm thankful that they're at a church that she has women like you to look up to. Uh, it's not just about age and just general wisdom. It truly is uh, women who pursue godliness. So thank you guys for that. Appreciate you. Thank you. Guys, that's it. Uh, two questions. Always send in your questions to Jennifer I behind the message. We love to take time to answer them. When we get these bigger questions, we'll do this again. And we'll set aside time and continue to bring in people and to try to answer those questions. But uh, we're thankful for you. Love our church. And just, uh, again, be in prayer that God would give you the wisdom and the discernment to see your blind spots. And by the gift of the grace of his Holy Spirit, he would conform us more and more into the image of his son, Jesus. Love you guys.